Welcome in, coming to you live from the capital city of the great state of Texas, overlooking downtown Austin and the University of Texas. It's the weekly broadcast that understands the pride and tradition of the Texas football program will never be entrusted to the timid or the weak. It's the Eyes on Texas multicast. The Longhorns are Big 12 championship bound. We are a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We're powered by our presenting partner at Grande Equipment. I'm Aaron Hogan, morning show host at The Horn here in Austin. 25 years on the mornings here in the ATX. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, our friend Mike Craven. It's the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football, and it's a pretty good year to be a part of Texas football, Mike Craven. You were at the game on uh, Friday night of last week. You've been to a lot of football games in that stadium, and it was quite the electric scene. Uh, But first, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. Thanksgiving break was insane. You know, A&M hired two different head coaches. <laughs> Houston opened up. Baylor didn't open up. UTEP, which I know most people don't care about, but I have to, opened up. So it's a wild ride. We'll see what happens in the state. But, yeah, it's uh, it's weird that the coaching carousel is this involved into football because you look up sometimes and you go, oh, yeah, there's football games on Saturday I also have to worry about. Yeah. Uh, well, we heard from Sark this week. Coach Steve Sarkeesian, Longhorns headed to the Big 12 championship game. He got to sit and watch football all day Saturday. He said, I was exhausted by the end of it, which is uh, uh, interesting. But uh, uh, you you are the senior writer for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. So when we say eyes on Texas football, we cover the Longhorns, but you cover the state. So we will certainly dive into the uh, the Texas A&M situation. Longhorns are going to play Texas A&M next year. We now know the date of that game, which we'll talk about coming up. A couple of other SEC dates announced for the Longhorns this week. Also, the college football playoff rankings are out. But most importantly, the Longhorns have a big game, a huge game, with uh, Oklahoma State coming up in the Big 12 championship game and a chance to uh, secure their fourth Big 12 championship uh, in 27 years as a program. That's not enough, but at least you would bookend it and put a fourth on the board, their seventh trip to the title game. We will preview the Oklahoma State contest. We'll talk about this Texas team and how they turned the fates from 5-7 and seven to 8-5 and five to now 11-1 and one and a chance to be 12-1 and one and maybe – uh, a trip to the college football playoff if things fall their way. We'll break all that down uh, on the uh, the multicast that uh, you can also follow on Twitter at Eyes on Texas FB. You can also find it on Instagram on the Eyes on Texas Pod or at Eyes on Texas Pod and on Facebook at uh, uh, Eyes on Texas Podcast. Uh, we call it a multicast because you can find it on YouTube, both on the Horn FM in Austin YouTube channel and on the uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel. Robust places there. Also on iTunes and Spotify if you choose to just listen to the multicast. Before we start, let's thank our presenting partner at Grande Equipment, our great friend Wes Murray and his team. They have been behind us the entire way, starting this thing up way back in March. They understand your reputation is all you have when it comes to a project, so you need heavy equipment for a large or a small project. All that matters is getting it done, getting it done on time. That's why Grande partners with you on every project. They've operated this way for 31 years. Not about the equipment, it's about your partnership and making sure you get to the finish line on time, on budget. Uh, That's why they're in the relationship business. When you need that equipment, uh, they get you what you want, when you want, no hassles. It'll be there without uncertainty and job site ready. And they're an independent equipment manufacturer, so they get anything you want. Caterpillar, John Deere, Komatsu, Volvo, and more heavy equipment, sales and rentals. They also have a new renewable energy sector that's growing like crazy. Solar projects all over the state, all over the country. Pile driver applications, what they specialize in, both new and used equipment capable of renting statewide and nationally. Grande, your international independent dealer. Find them online at Grande Equipment. Com. It's Grande Equipment. They don't overpromise, they overdeliver, and they deliver the Eyes on Texas multicast. We break it into four quarters uh, each episode, just like a football game. As we said, we'll get into this Texas team, uh, the growth, the team culture, how they've gone from where they were to where they are, 
Uh, we'll also get to the uh, uh, the Oklahoma State preview in a big way. Uh, preview what they're dealing with with these Cowboys. Uh, our fourth quarter will be uh, robust as well with the four big questions around college football. There are plenty. Texas recruiting, transfer portal opening, and as you said, Mike, the uh, coaching carousel in the great state is spinning at full speed right now. But let's start with the first quarter and uh, get this thing going. It is closed on time every time by the Texas Mortgage Guy, Carlos Carrion. Uh, great guy. We'll tell you about him coming up, thetexasmortgageguy.com. But, uh, Mike, your recap of the Texas Tech, and then we'll hear from Sark on uh, the 57-7 to thrashing. I think there are a couple of storylines here, several actually, domination against a bowl-eligible six-win Tech team that had won three in a row, who they made look pretty feeble. Uh, also, the crowd, the, the electricity in the building, what we saw Friday night. Talked to a lot of folks. You were on our radio show this week. Uh, it's as good as it gets as far as you know, bringing everything together. A good team with quite the scene, Vivo Boulevard and the concerts. And you know, and then Arch Manning got to play in the football game, which anybody who was planning to leave in the fourth quarter when it was a blowout decided, oh, wait, let me watch this young guy play. So there was a lot to, uh, to take in over an afternoon into the evening of, of Black Friday. I've been going to Texas football games since I was like four or five years old, and I'm closer to 40 than I'd like to admit on air on this podcast. <laughs> Definitely a top five viewing experience. Like I had gone to the Kansas game earlier, but that was a day game, so I hadn't gotten a full LED lights, kind of drone experience. After A&M, Texas has struggled on this Black Friday football game to build an atmosphere. A lot of the students are gone. Everybody's visiting their family. It's a late-arriving crowd. It, it sometimes does, isn't loud. That was not the case on Friday night. Like They were rocking. They were rolling. They showed the Your Mark thing there at the end. They got the crowd going again. And I told you this on your radio show, You know, a peek behind the curtain. When a blowout is going on like that in the second half, all of us writers are writing our stories. We're, we're, we're leaving a little bit of blank spaces to fill in quotes, but we can get home earlier uh, on those blowouts. And then all of a sudden, the crowd started going crazy for no real reason, right? And we all looked back up, and Arch Manning is there, and so we all had to stop writing our stories, and we just kind of watched – everything unfold. And so uh, I would imagine that's as perfect of a script as Del Conte and Sarkeesian could have wanted, right? You embarrass Texas Tech at home, your final Big 12 game, your mark's there, the crowd's rocking, it's at night. Uh, it was a good night for the Longhorns for sure. It was, and it's it's one of those things, having covered this program as long as I have, as long as you have, um, it, it was really, uh, I'm sure, very gratifying for yeah. the whole program. Because I remember when Del Conte came in and he started doing the Bevo Boulevard thing and there were a lot of Longhorn fans, old school ones for sure, like, why are you doing this? We suck. We're not any good. Like, what are we having this Bevo Boulevard for? Well, then we win some football games, and then we can get all new lockers, and we can, you know, have a party, uh, which I understood. But at the same time, Del Conte was, was on our radio show many times and said, that's not my job. My job is to create an atmosphere. That's what we do. We're trying to create a game day experience that celebrates Texas football, celebrates Austin, you know, highlights what we do. Um, and Sark's job is to build the football team. And so here we go on this Friday night where it just feels like it all came together on one night. Like, wow, um, that was a quite the scene. And the game wasn't even that good. I mean, Texas Tech was not a, a match. Now, who knows where it goes from here? Uh, Texas has a chance to win the Big 12. But for that night, the vision that, that CDC had, the vision that Sark had to build the roster, build the team, CDC and Drew Martin over there building the uh, game ops, it came together in a pretty uh, special way in the final game ever at DKR as a Big 12 conference member. Yeah, and kind of your trial run of what you're going to look like as an SEC member. Yeah. I mean, that was an SEC crowd, right? And that stereotype of what an SEC crowd is, that's what was happening that night. They were loud even when it was a 40-point blowout football game. They stayed in the second. The student section was full 
when Arch Manning was there. I mean, like when I was in college, like that that wasn't even close to happening, right? Like everybody's gone in the third quarter. And so I remember Mac Brown getting to Texas and doing the come early, be loud, stay late as a plea. <laughs> please, please, please come. Please come early. Please be loud. Please stay late. You don't have to beg them to do that anymore. That's on Del Conte. And, and by a further extent, that's on Sarkeesian for building a good football team. And I think you can blame uh, Brett Yarmark a little bit in Texas Tech. There was yeah. some venom in that. Right. And that's th- those things those, are That's good. great. That's what we've been talking about all week. Like how like that's a yeah. good thing. Like lean into that part of football because it adds stakes to it, right? Like it adds more juice to the game. There was a lot there. The crowd erupted when the Yormark thing happened. Uh, it was awesome. It was like that's what college football is supposed to be. And no matter what Steve Sarkeesian, because he's, he's a diplomat these days, he'll take the high ground on this stuff. But, you know, there were several – T-shirt scene worn by Texas players that uh, F-A-F-O, you know, the F around and find out, right? You know, Sark embraced that, leaned into it. The strength conditioning coach did. F-A-F-O, you know, which is so good for the Texas program where they are because there was a, you know, as you've, we talked about a lot, there's a time where what Joey McGuire said about they're soft and they'll break, um, what, what a lot of coaches have said, that was true. It's not true anymore. And the fact that it's not true and they take it personal, like don't insult our culture. You know, F around and find out. We'll show you. Back-to-back weeks against Iowa State and uh, and and Texas Tech. You, you, Sark can say what he wants. The players were bought in to uh, to backing up that culture and playing a really good football game. Uh, and obviously now they have to turn their attention to Oklahoma State, and I think they have plenty of reason to be, you know, F around and find out on that one too because Oklahoma State beat them last year in Stillwater and Mike Gundy's won seven of the last ten against Texas. And, there's something to prove and a championship to be won. Let's hear from Sark real quick on the uh, the, the recap. We've given you our recap of a 57-7 destruction of Texas Tech here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. Let's hear Sark on what he thought uh, after watching the tape on Saturday. Man, our, I, th- I thought our, our defense and special teams were really just terrific uh, Friday night. Um, you know, we, we really controlled the field position in the game. You know, anytime you can, you know, create three turnovers – have a turnover on downs, uh, block a punt, return a kickoff for a touchdown, and create explosive returns in the punt return game, as well as when you punt the ball to pin them down deep in their own end twice. Um, that's that's controlling the field position in the game. And quite frankly, the one drive that they did have for the touchdown was when they got the one kick return that got out across the 50, they got the short field and scored. So we see the value. Uh, in field position that way. So uh, that, that, that was huge. I thought the run game um, was fantastic the other night. Having our third rusher this year go for over 100 yards in, in Jaden Blue, I think just continues to show the depth in that running back room. And I thought we saw, again, more glimpses of Savion Red, as well as you know, young Trey Wisner. He's been doing great things for us on special teams, but to see him run the ball was huge. And so, uh, again, I think our versatility showed up as a team. Uh, Friday night, you know, we, we can win games a lot of different ways, and, and we're very complimentary of each side of the ball and special teams of working well together. Uh, and I think that's one thing about our team that I'm excited about, uh, that I continue to praise us for, is the fact that we can win games a lot of different ways, and our style of play can travel because whatever's needed for that game, uh, we're more than capable of playing that style of game and being effective. Um, all right, very effective win for Texas, all phases, and Mike, that might have been. That's it's hard to find a, you know, uh, covering a long time. Uh, that's as good a special teams performance as I've ever seen from a Texas football team. There were some Mac Brown teams that would, would do that where the special teams were special. Um, and you return a kick for a touchdown, you block a punt, you kick five for five on field goals. I mean, 
explosive returns. Texas over 300 yards now in punt return numbers this year. This is this is when you get depth and you have a special teams coach like Jeff Banks and Joe D. Camillus coming in as a consultant. You can win football games with that phase, and the word versatility Sark's used all year. This team can beat you a lot of ways. We've done this podcast for probably seven or eight months, and we've wondered what it would look like if Texas did a complete three-phase-of-the-football-game, four-quarter performance. And we saw what it looks like if, if Texas is able to do that. Now, we'll talk about the college football playoff rankings in a little bit. Maybe had they done that a little bit more throughout the year, they'd be ahead of a couple of the one-loss teams in front of them. Um, but they are one of the best teams in the country, and styles make fights. We also talked about that. And Texas Tech was a bad matchup for Texas, and, and they physically beat up the Red Raiders. And that's what you used to worry about Texas. Like Texas always had the skill to beat any team in the Big 12, but would they physically hold up against a team that was going to punch them in the mouth? Um, they can't get bullied anymore. They're the bullies now, and that's how it should have always been with the way that they're able to recruit offensive and defensive linemen. We'll talk coming up in our third quarter about Tavondre Sweat, who today was announced as a one of the three finalists for the Outland Trophy. He's got a real good chance to win that award, the way he's played this year. He and Byron Murphy together, complete game record. Sark was asked about those two's impact, uh, and they patrol the field. They patrol the locker room. Those dudes are dudes. Uh, but you mentioned the college football playoff rankings. We record this on a uh, Tuesday night. The rankings are out, and uh, Texas remains seven. Um, I, there was a lot of talk in and around Austin. Would the 57-7 to throttling push them ahead of Oregon? Because now Tech, you know, Texas Tech's a common opponent for Texas and Oregon. Uh, Tech beat them by eight points, but it was closer than that. It was 31-30 late in that game, and a fumble return for a touchdown made it the eight-point spread. Texas won 57-7. to no. Uh, but still, college football playoff committee leaving Oregon at five. Ohio State is actually still ahead of Texas, and I know at number six, I know Texas fans will be frustrated by that, uh, but I still contend that if Texas wins the Big 12 championship game while Ohio State doesn't play, yeah, that'll change. Uh, that, that, that data point will flip Texas ahead. Uh, but the question becomes Oregon. Washington, uh, you know, Number one is, is Georgia. Number two is Michigan. Washington is three. Florida State is four with Oregon five. There still is a, I don't know what the percentage of it is, Mike, but there is a chance to make the Final Four if you, you know, be, win the game. Case of, you know, the most, first and foremost, you need Florida State to lose. Yes. You need Florida State to lose to Louisville, where they're a two and two and a half point favorite with a backup quarterback, which is doable. Louisville's a 10 and two football team. They'll play in Charlotte. If, if, you, if they lose, that opens a spot. And Texas has a really great claim to that spot. Uh, but point of fact, if for the first time ever, we have four undefeated, Power Five Conference champions with Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State, then there's no way in. Yeah, and it feels like the committee has told us this whole time that the Pac-12 champion is getting in. Like, it feels like the winner of Oregon, Washington. Oregon's not going to move down by beating Washington, right? And Texas isn't going to jump Oregon by beating Oklahoma State while Oregon beats Washington. So it feels like the Pac-12 champion is in. I believe the SEC champion is in. I, I don't see a way in that Alabama beats Georgia and doesn't get into to the college football playoff. Obviously, if Georgia wins, that they're in the playoff. Uh, the Big Ten champions, right? Michigan's going to get in. I, I don't believe in Iowa enough to, to win that game, right? So the Big Ten champion is going to get in. So to me, the only way Texas can get into this thing is if Florida State stubs their toe or looks so bad in the process of winning that the college football playoff brings out the whole it was never the four most deserving teams, it's the four best teams, because that is what it is written as. It's never been used that way. It is always the four most deserving teams. But if Florida State wins by one and they it's a 12 to a 10 football game or something, I do think that there is a 
greater than zero chance that the committee goes, well, Texas is healthy. We're putting the Longhorns in over a hurt Florida State. But it does feel like Louisville is Texas's best chance. Yeah. And I agree with you. I don't think it'll happen, but it's not beyond the realm that they say, well, Texas right now is a better team. Yeah. And even, you know, people talk about pressure from the TV networks. Because it's network, a TV show. TV network would rather see Texas healthy than backup quarterback at Florida State get smashed by Georgia or Michigan, right? Uh, Texas-Michigan would be a much sexier matchup, or Texas-Georgia, much sexier matchup. And by the way, Texas plays both Georgia and Michigan next year. <laughs> so, And they could, if they were to make the Final Four, they could see them uh, here come January 1st, which would be uh, pretty compelling, um, to say the least. Uh, I would also say that if Alabama were to beat Georgia, I think that I think there's one spot for the SEC this year. I don't think Georgia gets in if they lose. I agree, but and Alabama so, would. Alabama would for sure. Yeah. Uh, the SEC champion would be in. The Pac-12 champions in. You know, Michigan's in as they smash Oregon, uh, Iowa. And so again, if if Alabama were to win, that would knock Georgia behind Texas, in my opinion. Uh, it'd be very close, but you know, the, the the deciding point would be Texas's ten point win in Tuscaloosa. That you know, Alabama just beat Georgia. Texas beat Alabama. The, Texas is in. You know, point of fact. Uh, and, you know, the fact that Oklahoma put 69 points on TCU in that, that closer, you know, that's a 10-2 and two team that's pretty damn good. Texas has only lost as a neutral site game to a rival in the last seconds, right? So that's a pretty good resume. I do think, also, I may be the only non-Texas Tech employee to see the Texas Tech-Oregon and the Texas-Texas Tech Yeah, you game. were both games live. Uh, I was there. Yeah, I was there week two in Lubbock. That was the, the book trip tour uh, to Lubbock. Uh, one team was infinitely better against Oregon than the other. Um, but, yeah, one was week two and one was week 13. So I understand how that can't be an exact science there. Um, but it has I, to count for something. I get frustrated with the eye test stuff because, like, I, it's not a bunch of football coaches in their eye test. It's a bunch of dorks like me in their eye test. And, like, what is that? You know, I, I, I the computer, by the way, they still do, like, BCS sure. uh, rankings. Jeff Sagarin and stuff. Uh, yeah, Oregon would be ahead of Texas, even the BCS. Well, and, and that would be my, you know, plea to Texas fans. Oregon's pretty damn good. Yeah, Oregon's not the problem. Florida State Because I can look at it as an objective football fan and say, Oregon, Bo Nix is better than Quinn Ewers. They, their defense probably right with Texas. They're dynamic. I mean, they're really damn good. And if they were playing tomorrow on a neutral side, I'd pick Oregon to win the game. Uh, point of fact. Just, That'd be a fun one. Uh, it would be a great game. I just think Texas's inability to cover in-breaking yes. routes and yes. secondary things yeah. would, be, would be exposed. Yeah. But I, I'd love to be at the game. I'd love to see the games. Because Texas isn't that far behind anybody. And that's where college football is right now. And that's why this is, is either going to be infuriating or a lot of fun <laughs> for Texas fans. First and foremost, though, you got to beat Oklahoma State. Coming back... Uh, we will preview or, or coming up in our second and third quarter. We'll talk about this Texas team itself. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, the, the matchup with Oak State, the Texas coaching carousel around the great state. Uh, but let me ask you real quick before we go and wrap up our first quarter, Mike. The SEC announced, or at least Chris Lowe at ESPN put out, the SEC is going to announce their full 2024 schedule next month. Chris Lowe got an advanced copy or something. Um, he works for ESPN. They're going to broadcast all the, the SEC games. That makes sense. Uh, and Texas is going to play. We know now know uh, Georgia on October the 19th here, the week after Oklahoma. Yeah. How about the month of October here in Austin with two ACL weekends, a Texas OU weekend, Georgia-Texas, which at that point Georgia could be a three-time national champion uh, by then, uh, and uh, F1 weekend. Pretty good. And F- Halloween. I think F1 in Oklahoma is, or F1 in Georgia are the same weekend. Yes. So book your hotel now. Book your hotel now. Maybe I'll rent my house. Yeah, yeah. I'll be renting my yeah, house. Yeah, I got a room. <laughs> I got a room. I'll tell you the price off air, but I got one. Yeah, I'll put it up there. I'm, I'm around my whole house. I will leave. 
Uh, yeah, I find somewhere sure. I go I stay at Nolan's that's, house. That's fair. That's a good point. Uh, but yes, and so that's been announced. And more importantly, they're going to play Arkansas. Not more importantly, but as important, they're going to play at Ar- at Arkansas, September sixth or uh, November sixteenth, middle of the month of September or November. And we now know that the first Texas Texas A and M game in twelve years will be November thirtieth, two days after Thanksgiving at College Station. Yeah, it's such a bummer. You want it on Thanksgiving? It should be on Thanksgiving. Yes. It should be on Thanksgiving. It gets me out of family stuff. Like, it should be on Thanksgiving. <laughs> you don't want to be even dirty. No. I mean, I want to have two hours with my family and then have a absolutely surefire out that my mom can't get mad at me for leaving for, right? It can't just be to play video games or to go home, right? <laughs> like, 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 I can do that, but she gets upset about it. If, like, Texas and A&M were playing, then, like, she, what, is, what can she say? My grandfather used that excuse for, like, 40 years, and I'm upset that I'm not allowed to use it. <laughs> Uh, by the way, A&M wanted to keep that LSU game around Thanksgiving. That's going to be pushed to September. Yeah. September. I also noticed today when I saw the SEC announcements, the games that were trickled out, Alabama's got a hell of a schedule next year for Nick Saban. Uh, they're playing Texas and or they're playing Oklahoma. They're playing Tennessee, Georgia, uh, and they play at LSU. All in you know the conference schedule. Pretty good uh, for the SEC, and I'm, that's what ESPN's paying a billion dollars for, yeah. or multi-billion dollars to have games just like that. So that's your, as you said, get your hotel room now for October 19th uh, for the Georgia game. If you're coming in from out of town, uh, get ready for November 20th. Now, I, you're 29th, I still think there's a chance, or 30th, I, I still think there's a chance they can move it back to the 29th. Big yeah, picture. Black Friday would be better than the Saturday. It, it needs to be its own showcase. Like Agreed. That's, that's the whole point, is that you can't have it when Ohio State and Michigan are playing. No. Nope. You know, and that's what they play that Saturday at 11 a.m. every single time after Thanksgiving. And so it needs some kind of showcase. And if that can't be Thanksgiving, because the NFL's come and taken Thanksgiving in Texas and Texas A&M's absence, right? Yes. Like, it's not the same land. They do the triple header now. Yeah. So, like, that's the NFL days. The, like, they run the world. College football is going to have to adjust. Black Friday, it's got to be that. It's got to be the night for Black Friday game. Agreed. And that's still a doable thing. And yeah. ESPN would carry it, and it would be really cool to have that game on Friday night in College Station, uh, just like we had Texas Tech last Friday night. All right, first quarter, closed on time by closed on time by our man Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy, online at thetexasmortgageguy.com. We've told about him for every episode. He was our first uh, partner with us, an expert in the field, but uh, lifetime Austinite, which makes sense, right? He loves Longhorns. Loves talking Texas football, baseball, basketball, but he also likes to help you as your guide to help solve problems and strategize a very important decision in your life, and that's buying a new house, a mortgage, or a refi down the road. He's a uh, tremendous, tremendous guy. Uh, listens to the uh, podcast religiously, uh, Longhorn fan, so uh, kind of works to work with like-minded people you can talk with, but also you feel like uh, you, know, you get along, you can trust them immediately, and that's what Carlos is all about. Find him at thetexasmortgageguy.com, nearly a decade in the mortgage industry. He's also on social media, Facebook, search Carlos Carrion, C-A-R-R-E-O-N, and on Twitter at Carlos Carrion 36 Great guy, I promise you. Uh, anything you might have, it's still a good time to buy a house in Austin, Texas, because the Property rallies are rising like crazy. You can always go back and refi that house down the road when the uh, rates come back down, which they will. Uh, but get in now with Carlos Carry on the TexasMortgageGuy.com. All right, second quarter delivered by the Good Times and Incredible Scratch Comfort Food at Hayes City Store and Ice House in Driftwood, Texas. And our second quarter begins with uh, Steve Sarkeesian talking about being in this position in year three. This was a five and seven team, an eight and five team a year ago that um, lost a lot of games they should have won. And now here they are in year three, 11-1, chance to win the Big 12 championship. Sark was asked about being here right now. Uh, it was the vision, but here you are. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Um, you know, one thing I, 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 I talked to the team 
about today, actually on that point, was we didn't come this far just to come this far. And, and you know, there's more out there for us to accomplish. Um, and that was a great celebration Friday night, but that, that wasn't the end, right? That was just another checkpoint in the journey. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's awesome. And, and to think about the rare air, you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm in DKR every day. My office looks right into DKR. And to think in the last 27 years, there's only been three conference championships. And we're playing for one on Saturday where we can put our year up on, on the, in that stadium forever. Uh, that means a lot, you know. That that's that's something that we don't take lightly. Like, that's a big deal. And so um, we're fortunate that that we've stayed healthy enough to get ourselves to this point. We're fortunate that we have the depth to to withstand an injury when it comes up. Uh, but in the end, like to be in this discussion and to be playing for a conference championship, that's I know, that's why I came here. You know, not every school do you really get these opportunities, you know? And I feel like these are one of the places where you can, but it also, this doesn't have to be a, a one-time thing. This isn't, hey, this year we did it and I don't know what's gonna happen in the next five or 10 years. If we can do it right, you know, I don't wanna say it's routine, but hopefully it's a little bit more consistent where we are in these discussions, where we are competing for conference championships, um, that, that we have, uh, the pieces in place, not only from a roster management standpoint, but, um, but also a facility standpoint, a coaching staff standpoint, a support standpoint from administration to where um, this is what Texas football is. And so it took a lot of hard work to get to this point. Um, and, I, and so I try not to forget my first season here. I try not to forget some of the tough um, – tough games, the tough locker room speeches, the tough press conferences, uh, because that's a friendly reminder of, of how far we've come. Uh, and, we, and we should be proud of that. We should be proud of the work that we've put in to get ourselves to this point. Uh, I was laughing because uh, Kim Kardashian, there's a famous gif out there where Kim Kardashian says that quote, like, we didn't come that far to come this far. And the reporter goes, what does that mean? And she goes, <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I just read it somewhere, and so every time I hear that quote, I, I think, think Sark, about that. Sark's a SoCal guy, uh, you know. That's so great. Well, he is very genuine about where they are, and it has been his vision. But yes, it, did he steal a Kardashian quote? No, it, I think she, she stole, stole it from somebody else. Yeah, yeah. She didn't even know what it means. <laughs> I just thought of, every time I hear that sentence, that's what I think of. When I was at the A and M press conference, um, I don't even know what day that was. Yesterday, Monday afternoon. Uh, Mike Elko said something that I thought was pretty clever and, and was pretty smart. It's not an elevator, right? There's not a button you push to go reach the top floor. Like, there's stairs, and you have to take those stairs every single day when nobody's looking, when people are looking, and you have to climb them, and you have to keep climbing them. And that's what Texas has done, right? I mean, it wasn't easy. There was adversity. They lost some guys along the way that probably ended up being addition by subtraction, and here they are uh, with everything in front of them that they talked about off season, all offseason that they wanted to accomplish. Yeah. I like that. Uh, it's step by step. We heard Sark last week talk about the culture, and that's not a sign in your building or a T-shirt you wear. It's it's every day. It's very deliberate. It's very intentional, and it spreads through your whole team, just like cancer spreads through your whole team. If you get some uh, some some uh, you know bad seeds and some guys who aren't pulling the same direction, it can rip the other way too. 
and I think that's what Texas A&M's dealing with. We'll talk about that coming up in our fourth quarter with the Mike Elko hire. But let's hear from a couple of the players here on this because Quinn Ewers, this is a Big 12 opportunity. Quinn Ewers is the quarterback. And I know people, it's amazing around here. You and I have done this a long time. People are already talking about his arch manning and be the quarterback next year. I'm like, you're really going to bench a quarterback who won you your first Big 12 championship since Colt McCoy? McCoy? Like, really? He's going to sit? Yeah, I guess. Uh, Finicky, to say the least. But here is Sark, uh, excuse me, Quinn Ewers talking about the opportunity they have on Saturday to uh, win a trophy. I mean, anytime uh, you're up for a, you know, whether it's a conference championship or any any kind of championship, you – it's 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 just a blessing, and it's it's just cool to to be a part of a team like this that has an opportunity to go, you know, make their mark on this program and, and put their year up in in DKR, and it's always going to be a special moment that that we're all going to be able to to live with for for the rest of our lives. All right, there's Quinn yours. What about uh, the the culture and the team? We mentioned that uh, it's climbing stairs and a brick at a time or a day at a time, whatever cliche you want. Let's hear from Jalen Ford, one of the team leaders, uh, talking about. You know, a guy who was here, recruited by Tom Herman's staff, uh, came in, was here for some of the bad times and, um, you know, coaching change and positional coach changes, and now a chance to go 12-1, and win a Big 12 championship. Here's Jalen Ford, pretty thoughtful on uh, what he's seen in his time on the 40 Acres. Why has it worked? Uh, the players bought in. Um, I think when Sark got here, uh, Everyone, you know, it was hard for everyone to buy in because, you know, when he got here, respectively, that wasn't the guy that recruited all these players, you know. And so for the ones that's, that stuck through and believed in Sark and what he had to preach and what he had to, you know, what he had in line or in store for everyone, and then he got, he got some of the guys that he wanted to hear, and he looked at the older guys to be his leaders, even though, you know, he wasn't he – was, those aren't the guys he recruited. Uh, like myself, or you know Jordan, Sweat, you know Jade, you know, all those all those guys that walked walked that field from senior night. Um, we kind of had to be the leaders, and we kind of had to believe in Sark, and we kind of pushed the other guys to, you know, have a standard or start create a new standard here. And you know I think everyone just bought into it, and you know you look up and here you are eleven and one. So it's a lot of a lot of clawing and digging. Uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but uh, it was all worth it. Mike Craven, pretty good stuff right there from a guy who's going to be off to the NFL, might win some awards here at the end of his career, and has been a really, really pivotal player. Yeah, he just reminds me so much of Roshan Johnson from last year, You know, a guy that just plays the part every single day. Yeah, I mean, the coaching staff can't be all of the leaders. Like, you you need leadership. And when your best players are bought in in that way, like, the younger guys have no choice but to keep up. And so um, Texas is starting to get back to that point where it filters down. The the older guys are able to kind of care for the younger guys and show them the way, and then the younger guys have some time to grow into it. Texas has struggled the last 10-plus years because those young guys have just been thrusted into being – the stars and the leaders, and they don't know how to do it. And they lose in the fourth quarter and they fall apart. They finally have that backbone and that structure, and it's showing on the football field. Character character, and uh, those things that you work on daily uh, and camaraderie and playing for one another, that shows up in pivotal moments, and we've seen it all year for Texas. That's when that comes to bear, <laughs> uh, when you need a big stop or you need a big play or um, you know whatever it might be. And they found so many ways to do that this year. It just seeps through, and it's a great example, and I think it's something that it will live on for the program because every player that's new to the program or whatever has seen it. 
like, oh, okay, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's what it's going to take to uh, to continue this into the Southeastern Conference. All right, that's our second quarter delivered by the incredible Scratch Food and Amazing Times at Hay City Store and Ice House in Driftwood, Texas. Also, our friends at Taste on Main. Uh, my buddy Travis Tyndall and his wife Tamara own both restaurants. Uh, one is in Driftwood. One is in downtown Buda. They're both ready to serve you and your family every day of the week. Both of the total package. Different uh, vibes. Hay City Store, of course, with the big canopy of oak trees. Uh, the outdoor ice house and sports watching and 53 beers on tap. Live music six nights a week and that incredible scratch comfort food. Uh, indoor, outdoor. There's never a bad time for big groups and uh, just you and the wife or whoever and your buddies uh, out at Hay City Store. Taste on Main. Their new location is in, is in Buda, right on downtown Main Street. And it's a little little upper end. You got an anniversary, a birthday, a celebration. Get on out there. They got great steaks and seafood, oyster bar, the raw bar, a great drink menu. Just an incredible place. And they bring you uh, the Eyes on Texas multicast each and every week. Get on out there. Uh, find the menus online at HayCityStoreTX.com. That's HayCityStoreTX.com or TasteOnMain.com as well. Taste on Main in downtown Buda. Hay City Store in Driftwood. Phenomenal people. You're going to love both locations for whatever your occasion is. They're perfect for you. Halftime. Uh, delivered with, with just the right pressure by One Source Gas, your one-stop shop in Central Texas for all gas products. One Source Gas of Austin is your Central Texas compressed gas leader. Uh, Nolan Hogan, our digital producer. Nolan, what do we have for the NFL? We know we got dudes all over the national football. You saw Bijan had a big game last week. They still don't give him the damn ball enough, but mm-hmm. Bijan got loose a little bit for the Atlanta Falcons. What else went on on Sunday and uh, throughout the NFL Week 12? So we had a we had a single Longhorn playing on Thursday on a Thanksgiving night in the Seattle game versus the 49ers. Quandre Diggs had six tackles, four solo, and a pass breakup. Uh, Deshaun Elliott in the Friday night game against the New York Jets had one solo tackle, one PBU. Uh, Andrew Beck uh, matched Dalton Schultz in receptions with one on Sunday. For the Texans, yeah, come yes, on now, Buck. Texans. Uh, Malcolm Roach had himself a day against Atlanta. On the other side of the ball, Bijan with six tackles, one solo, and a pass deflection. Uh, Bijan Robinson on the other side of the ball, 16 carries, 91 yards with a touchdown, as well as three receptions for 32 yards and a touchdown. Uh, down to our special team guys, uh, Carolina, Deshaun Jamison is returning kicks. He's got a two kick, he had two kick returns for 40 yards, uh, average of 20 yards. Devin Duvernay for the Baltimore Ravens versus Tennessee had – Oh, Ravens did not play Tennessee. They played the Chargers. Uh, one punt return for three yards. Justin Tucker versus the Chargers was two for three on field goals. He missed from under 50. Come on, Tuck. Come on, Tuck. He is now the second place holder for the completion percentage in the whole. Oh, for 50 yards the, plus? Or for the for his Oh, he came back down. make percentage. Now Young Hoku is above him. Young Hoku from Atlanta. He plays in a dome. Give him a break. Yeah. Uh, and then Cameron Dicker in the same game battled the Longhorn kickers. He had one field goal, one for one, with an extra point. Had four points in the game. Justin Tucker, the vet, doubles him up with eight. Yeah, it does feel like Mike Craven that this uh, the current Texas team we're talking about quite a lot here uh, is going to start the pipeline of NFL players. So there's going to be a lot of guys on this Texas team that play on Sundays moving forward, and we'll cover it on the Eyes on Texas multicast. But I could think as many as ten guys, maybe more, that could play on Sundays, including. Devondre Sweat and Jalen Ford and Jade Barron, who we've already heard from, uh, Quinn Ewers eventually. Uh, the, the, the pipeline's filling back up. And that's typically when your program is up for major awards and you're playing for championships and the NFL draft board, it has a bunch of burnt orange, tells you where your program is. And uh, it, it's, it, it, you don't do one without the other. 
Yeah, it's very rare that you see a team with a bunch of draft picks in April that didn't win a lot of football games <laughs> in, in November or December. Yeah. Hey, one source gas, my buddy Richard Strever and his team. If you have a, uh, a locally owned business that uh, you're a, a restaurant, a dental office, veterinary clinic, and you use compressed gas or CO2 or whatever your needs are, and you're looking for a better or new CO2 compressed gas provider, visit their website at onesourcegasatx.com. That's onesourcegasatx.com. They just do it better. That's why they've grown like they have. I mean, you'll grow kind of like talking about the Longhorns and getting better and better culturally. You know, they've just taken over market share. They started in Austin. Now they're in San Marcos, New Braunfels, up in uh, north into Round Rock, down into San Antonio because they deliver and they do it better because you need that CO2. You need that compressed gas to run your business, your dental office, your restaurant, your bar taps. Got to have it. And uh, if there's a delay or there's a problem, it sets you back. And that's where One Source Gas has really uh, taken over here in Central Texas. They're the best. OneSourceGasATX.com, the website. That's OneSourceGasATX.com. Or call Richard or one of his team members, 512-214-8484. That's 512-214-8484 at OneSourceGas of Austin, OneSourceGasATX.com. All right, third quarter. Mike, presented by Dr. Greg Eckert and his irrefutable brain uh, research-based Brain Vault technology. And uh, let's talk Oklahoma State. Nine and three, kind of a weird team. Uh, two and two to start the year. Looked a mess. Looked like Mike Gundy didn't have much of a clue what he was doing. He was rotating three quarterbacks. Uh, they lost to South Alabama at home, thirty-four to three. And you were like, "Whoa, is Mike Gundy? Is he ready to walk out? Walk out?" And then they turned around and opened conference play, lost to Iowa State. And you're again, you're Iowa State with the gambling scandal. This is not a good Iowa State or Oklahoma State team. They have a bye week. They settle on Alan Bowman as their quarterback, the one-time Texas Tech yeah. uh, starting quarterback. And that, then uh, that Michigan. Alan Bowman. That's Alan Bowman? Yeah, I said that Alan Bowman. That Alan Bowman. Uh, that's amazing. You remember when he went from, from Texas Tech to Michigan. No. Got a graduate degree from Michigan, by the way. Now he's 23 years old. He's playing quarterback for Oak State. They also decided that in the first three games, Mike, when they started one and two, or when they started the two and two start, first three games, Ollie Gordon had 19 carries in three games. So it was almost like Mike... Gundy was trying to figure out what his team is, almost like preseason. And they came out of their bye week, and they've gone 7-1, and one, and here they are. Yeah, this is the most Mike Gundy <laughs> team ever. Like, I never know if a Mike Gundy team is good. I don't know if Oklahoma State still is good in, their, in the Big 12 championship game. This feels a lot to me on paper like the Texas Tech game. What Oklahoma State does really well is push people around, run the football, and wear them out into the second half, and then win close football games. Yeah. I don't know how you do that against Texas. If, I said this last week. I'm going to sound like broke. If your game plan is to move to Vondre Sweat and Byron Murphy out of the way and run the football, it's not happening. Like, this is not going to be – you may do it once or twice, but it's not going to be the thing that takes you to victory. I don't think Oklahoma State has enough dudes around them to score with Texas. Unless Texas intercepts turnovers, special teams their way into a close one, this one feels – more likely to be ugly than to be close. I don't disagree, and uh, I'm with you. Let's hear Sark, though. He's watched the tape, and, um, you know, they have strengths. Here's Sark on uh, the strengths of this Oklahoma State team. They're sitting at 9-3, 7-1 in their last eight. I know I can rattle off three really good teams in Kansas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma. Bang, 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 right in a row. Um, and, and we played all three of those teams and, and didn't win all three of those games. And so I know the quality of opponents that they are. Uh, and so, again, I, I don't know the, the exact answer why, um, but I know what they're capable of. And they're, they're capable of 
being a very dangerous team and one that can play at a very high level um, and and match the opponent and the quality of the opponent. And so those uh, those wins were very impressive to me. I, I think the one area that, that jumps out to me is their linebacking core. I, I think is, is probably the best one we faced all year. They've got three very, very good linebackers who impact the game. Uh, they rush the quarterback extremely well. Uh, they tackle really well. They force turnovers really well. They fly around the field. Th those three guys, um, you know, Oliver, Benson, Martin, they, they, they're big time players. And everything they do defensively kind of is structured around those three guys impacting the game. So very impressed by them. All right, very impressed by them. And also Ollie Gordon uh, from the state of Texas, Fort Worth area, Grand, uh, South, Grand, Grand Prairie. South Grand Prairie High School. Uh, Four-star recruit. I mean, Texas came in late, but he's taller running back. Good player and, uh, you know, may win the Doak Walker Award. That's how good he is. Had 19 carries in the first three games, but leads the Big 12 in rushing now, one of the national leaders too, and gets better as the uh, game goes on. Here's Sark on what he's seen on Ollie Gordon. You have to stop him if you're going to stop Oklahoma State. In a, in an, in a unique way, it's, it's kind of fitting that we're playing Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, knowing we didn't get an opportunity to play each other in the regular season. Um, with us leaving the Big 12 and some of the great games and the matchups that have been that have gone on kind of over the years and historically so for us to be able to play in the Big 12 championship game um, it's kind of fitting knowing hey we're, we're going to be playing OU every year moving forward so that part's kind of fitting. Um, Ollie Gordon's a heck of a player and they have done a great job offensively of leaning into him and he really um, signifies who their team is. I feel like he gets stronger as the game goes on, like a lot of big physical backs do. Um, a lot of his best runs come in the second half when teams wear down. Uh, he has you know, the hard yards, the tough yards in between the tackles, but yet he has the big play, explosive play ability to create those long runs. Um, and, and they've got a variety of run schemes with him. And they do a heck of a job. Uh, out of the pistol formation where they can get to all their runs and a lot of them look the same and so your defensive line your linebackers have to do a great job of fitting those things and then you've got to tackle and it, generally with with a guy like him one guy's not enough and so our ability to populate the ball Saturday and making sure we're fitting these runs right uh, is going to be really critical. All right, good stuff from Sark right there. And he has five touchdowns in the win over BYU, right? He was their offense. They got down 20, you know, 18 points in that game. It was raining and still. Well, that's such a weird game. It was the opposite of Texas, Mike. Texas had an electric crowd, great atmosphere, everything we've talked about, one of the great DKR moments. Stillwater was mostly empty when the game kicked off uh, the day after thanks over uh, the Black Friday game. Crowd was lame, raining. It was like, this is for the Big 12 championship game, y'all. And they fell behind. They just looked terrible in the first half and got down 18 points. And it looked for all the world like Texas. We ended up playing Oklahoma in this Big 12 champion game. They rallied back, and Ollie Gordon was the big key. He did get stronger as the game went on. They decided just let's hand him the ball. He scored five touchdowns. They won in overtime 40-34. to 34. But you said it, Mike. I mean, if your game plan is to run the ball against Texas, you know, we talked last week on the multicast, Taj Brooks. Taj Brooks had 100 yards. He had some runs. We were like, wow, that guy's really good. But he had no impact on the game. Like the big big picture didn't matter to the football game, and this one kind of feels like that. You know, Ollie Gordon can get his 85, 90, 100 yards, but if you can corral him and control him, you're going to be okay. Yeah, I got it wrong. He was at Trinity. He was at Ulysses Trinity. Uh, quick little funny 
Ollie Gordon thing. On January 2nd, 2021, uh, Quinn Ewers beat in Southland Carroll, beat Trinity and Ollie Gordon in a playoff game in Arlington. That was at, during that game that Steve Sarkeesian news broke. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so we were all at that game watching Ewers, and then we were able to ask him afterwards about the coaching change and if he ended up signing with Ohio State anyway. Uh, but just kind of a weird backdrop to That's... this one, you know, and this one's going to be across. That was at the old Rangers Stadium. I think it's called Choctaw yeah. Stadium now. This one's going to be right across the street. Um, and so kind of like a world's colliding situation here. He's really, really good running back. I mean, he was, he was great at Trinity. Um, they were a running football team. They have a lot of big offensive linemen. That's what they're, they're known for doing. Uh, I didn't know he was going to become the best running back in the country, uh, but I definitely knew he was going to be a guy that a lot of the programs in the state were going to regret missing on. He just didn't have that, like, 100-meter dash speed that a lot of these big, big, big programs are looking for. In running well, that's backs. so common now because now they do – it's like in the NFL they do the – High school combines, and yeah. if you don't run the four three or the four four, you kind of get knocked down. But you're a football player. He's the perfect Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State running back. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you kind of like that Sark and his staff came in on him late because they they liked him, uh, like Jonathan Brooks, right? Jonathan Brooks for Texas was from Hallettsville. Uh, he's turned into one of the best backs in the country before he got hurt. All right, real quick on uh, the Texas side, because if you're going to try to run against Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, that's a problem. Uh, let's congratulate Tavondre Sweat here on the eyes on Texas. Uh, he is uh, one of the three finalists from the Outland Trophy, best interior lineman. Uh, there's an offensive lineman from Notre Dame, I think, is one of the other guys, and uh, one of three now. He could win this award. And let's hear Sark. He was asked about these defensive tackles and how critical they've been. Texas allowing, in Big 12 conference play, Mike, 2.7 yards per carry to Texas running backs uh, and to, to rushing teams. Incredible. One of the best rushing defenses this program's ever had, and they've had some pretty damn good ones back in the days. Um, way back, but here's Sark on these DTs and how impactful they've been to this program. Both have had fantastic seasons. Um, you know, I, I, I believe they're the best tandem in the country from what I can watch and the teams we've played against. And I mean, they work so well with one another. They're different styles of players. Um, you know, Sweat is got such athleticism for a big man and can impact the game in a variety of ways. He can rush the passer. He can defend the run and make critical plays on a lot of these fourth down stops and third down stops. He gets his hands on the ball uh, when he isn't able to get into the backfield. And he, he has got a lot of tips and, not, and batted balls. Where Murphy is such a penetrator, you know, and he's such a bulldog. He's, his effort is through the roof. And so I think they play really well off of one another. Um, you know, that, that quite frankly, you know, I'm hopeful one of them is the Big 12 Defensive Player in the Year and the other one is the Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year. And I think they're more than deserving of that. Um, they have impacted our team in a way that, uh, you know, when you think about we lead the nation on third down defense, we lead the nation in red zone defense. Um, and those are, those are two, you know, really cool numbers to have when you talk about you know, defensive football, that, that nobody's better than us on third down, nobody's better than us at stopping people in the red area. Um, and, and sometimes total defense can get a little skewed because yards are just yards. But are you stopping people on third down and getting them off the field? Are you stopping people from scoring touchdowns when they're, when they're in the red area? Uh, those, are, those are big numbers. So uh, I'm fired up for our defense. All right, good stuff from Sark, uh, without a doubt, with these defensive tackles. One more here in our third quarter, presented by Brain Vault and the Brain Vault Technology. Wanted to hear from Quinn Ewers on this, and then your thoughts on it, Mike. Uh, you know, one year ago, I was in Stillwater for the game at Oklahoma State, 
And, you know, Quinn Ewers, I thought, needed to be benched, right? He needed to come out, and Hudson Carr needed to come in. Uh, from the, It was a windy day, real windy. That's a weird environment in, in Stillwater if you've never been there. The crowd's right on top of you. And he just struggled. He was off the whole game. We were talking about a thumb injury. And he didn't play well. Texas lost the game. They should have won. And I kept him out of playing in the Big 12 title game a year ago. Uh, but Sark was very clear. And, you know, I can agree or disagree. Fans can agree or disagree. He chose the bigger picture that day. He chose, I need my quarterback to have a game like this. I need him to, to be here and take it and then see how he responds. And if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. But I'm not pulling him. Uh, he's going to finish this game. And, you know, kind of like tough love from a dad or something. And I know Texas fans were mad. I was you know, on Twitter tweeting about it. Like, come on, man. Hudson Card, you win this game. And um, they didn't. And so now here's year to year, right? You, you've got Oklahoma State again. Let's hear Quinn talking about uh, his progress as a quarterback from that game in Stillwater a year ago to this game. I think he had you know 25 incompletions in that game, threw some interceptions, missed a lot of open players. Uh, here's Quinn, though, on his improvement from that game this year to what he has an opportunity to, uh, to come back with and, and re- get some revenge on Saturday. Um, we came out pretty hot. Um, I think we got up 31-17 at half. And then um, just weren't able to finish. You know, I think they're – they do a really good job at, on, um, you know, adjusting to, to certain things and just playing to their strengths. And um, yeah, we learned um, that um, we got to we got to be able to finish because um, you know they're they're good they're a good um, solid team and they, they never they never give up. All right, so there's Quinn Sark earlier was asked about it and said, "Man, that, that's I needed him to have that, and it's benefited him now because now he uh, he makes a mistake, he doesn't get his dauber down, he sticks through it." And you know that's that's a philosophical difference, but you know that's what the coach's job is, by the way, to to look big picture, maybe more than you know individually, especially in, in year one, year two. Yeah, I mean, you if you bench Ubers there, you risk setting him back emotionally, mentally, you know, more than just that loss would have done. And I think Sark saw it as we can win big the next year if we take the lumps this year. Um, and that takes some guts, especially at a place like Texas, right? I know. Where, like, you just went 5-7. and seven, You're going to be barely over 500 after your first two years on campus. You'd think you would want to win every single game. And he did obviously want to win that football game. Um, but for him to have the foresight, I think that's what it helps being a former quarterback, where you put yourself into that position and you know, let's ride this one out. If it costs us some short-term gains – well, there's bigger stuff we can do with this kid if we just trust him and back him. And some of it's the mentality, too. Like, he probably knows Quinn pretty well, and you know if it's a guy who can handle getting benched or not handle getting benched. I think Quinn may be more of the latter. And he's been better this year. He has a chance to lead the Longhorns to a Big 12 championship and uh, get a 12-1 and season. Brain Vault is uh, much more than a mouthpiece. They bring you our third quarter and have been a partner all the way through here on our Eyes on Texas Multicast all the way to the championship game. It's uh, more than a mouthpiece. It's an orthotic proven way for young athletes and older athletes who play collision sports to play hard but play safe by minimizing the risk of concussions. And Brain Vault is you know, backed by science. It's been tested over and over again, research-based, but also used on the field. We've told you that uh, Dr. Greg Eckert, who's my dentist, of my pearly white smile, we'll tell you about him in the fourth quarter, uh, he and his partner Drew Pittman have come up with this orthotic, and Drew Pittman is an agent in the National Football League. More than 100 of his players have been wearing the Brain Vault technology for more than eight years now, uh, and not one concussion reported. And that's so on-the-field evidence, and then backed by science and, and research, to reduce the risk of concussions. I know you're saying, well, how does that work? How does that happen? Well, Brain Vault, I'll tell you the, the, the specifics. It optimally aligns the lower jaw 
in a position that strengthens strengthens your neck muscles and minimizes concussive forces, like a shock absorber in your mouth. Uh, when that point of contact comes and the collision happens, uh, I don't understand it more than you do, but you can go read about it at BrainVault.com. Go to the website. There's right at the top page. You've got a football player there, and then it says, what is BrainVault? Click on that. They have all your questions answered. All the research is there. And then right next to that tab, you can schedule a group fitting or an individual fitting for your young athletes. It's been used in the last almost decade in the National Football League. They now have a retail version for teams and, and in collision sports, individuals in collision sports, uh, such as football or soccer lacrosse, rugby, cheerleading, and the entire Texas cheerleading squad is fitted for and wearing the Brain Vault technology. You'd be surprised to know that concussions are rampant and uh, very prevalent in the sport of cheerleading, uh, any collision sport. Also, the uh, Texas lacrosse team is wearing the Brain Vault technology as well. High schools across Central Texas and more across the Lone Star State are getting involved, and you should too. Schedule your fitting now, brainvault.com. That's brainvault.com, the res- re- revolutionary and patented mouth guard proven to help reduce the risk of concussions, bringing you the third quarter. All right, like Mike, that's uh, I think we both like Texas quite a bit here in this game. Are you with me that I feel like, you know, as I look at these championship games, and we'll dive into our fourth quarter, brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert, uh, my dentist, and uh, helping restore my teeth. Um, but our final four big questions, we like Texas. I view this game like the Michigan-Iowa game. I, I, when I think about it, but I think the Georgia-Alabama game is going to be a hell of a game. I think uh, Florida State, Louisville, all Longhorn fans will be glued to that to see. Washington, Oregon is going to be a hell of a game. I just I look at Michigan and Iowa, and I look at Texas Oak State, and I see a mismatch. And I maybe that's me finally believing in this Texas team, that they're really a good team. And Oklahoma State has some flaws that Texas can take advantage of. And coming off of the you know, three-phase performance they had last Friday, that you know the only team that can beat Texas on Saturday is Texas. The only team that can beat Michigan on Saturday is Michigan. If they show up, handle their business, Iowa can't play with Texas. Oklahoma State can't play with Texas or Michigan and Texas. Yeah, it's for the same reason, right? Like, Iowa's a big physical bully football team, and you're not doing that to Michigan. Like, they're the yes. better version of that. And Mike Gundy is 7-3 and three in his last 10 over uh, against Texas because he could take most of those teams out back and beat the crap out of them. Yes. You know, just wear them down, like do Mike Gundy stuff where he's just going to build a tougher team. You're not the tougher team anymore. Even it's if it's even, like even if Texas isn't tougher than Oklahoma State, if it's even now, the talent rises to the top. The same reason it does at Michigan, and so that's why I don't see this one as close. If if Texas was just the skill position team that needed to finesse their way to a win, I would be worried about this game. Uh, but I don't worry anymore about Texas and quicksand. Like they are that team. Like they are a bunch of big dudes that are not going to get pushed around. Yeah, and they know this is the end of the mission. This is mission accomplished if they finish this deal. And they do match up really, really well. And it's the only team they haven't beaten that beat them last year. Yeah, that's right? the final. I mean, it's the final receipt. Right. It's, it's <laughs> you know that's kind of been the embrace the hate revenge tour kind of exit thing. And if they can walk out of here with Oklahoma State, they have a win streak against every single team in the Big Twelve on their way out. I mean that's pretty important. Except for Oklahoma, which they'll get their shot at. Yeah, they you know? play them every year. Yeah. All time bragging rights. Right. You know, because you never may never play them again. But that we got was the important. Last... They wanted the Baylor win. They wanted the TC. They did not want to happen to them what Oklahoma State did to Oklahoma. No, that's right. That's exactly right. And what Texas did to A&M, and now they're going to revisit A&M. A&M's had to live with that loss for 12 years, yeah. and they get their next chance next November, uh, which is which is fitting. And Mike Gundy's been a thorn in the side. He's been, for me, a, you know, as a, as a sports radio guy, he's been annoying to cover, but he's been a pleasure to cover. He's just, I, I love Mike Gundy, even though I hate Mike Gundy. Right? <laughs> it's just it's one of those. He's he's good for the sport because no one else. He doesn't think like anybody else. He's an outside. He's kind of the Stillwater version of Mike Leach. It's just. You know, I'm going to do it my way. If you don't like it, sorry. 
I'm not conforming to what you want me to be. And I like that. And I'd like to see Texas put a, put a loss on him on the way out. And I don't think he has the horses to beat Texas in this football game. I really don't. Uh, the, the, the Texas line, it's 14 points, 14 and a half. The over-under is 55. I mean, I think that's about right, right? 35-20, 34-21, you know, right on that line. I mean, I think that could be the score, 37-21, something right there. Because I don't know if Texas hadn't gotten to 40 points much this year at all until last week. Uh, so they're going to hover around the mid-30s into the 40s, and I don't think Oklahoma State can score more than 24 points in this game. Yeah, this seems like a 34-14 to 14 game to yeah. me. You know? And if you're a betting person, the, the thing you're worried about here is a backdoor cover. Because, sure. You know, like that, that's going to be the thing. I honestly may lean under. Like I, I think Oklahoma State's offense is going to look like Texas Tech's offense last week. It's just I don't know if Texas can score on Oklahoma State the way that they did against Tech. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a 27-7 to ugly game type. Yeah, game. that would be – well, and I also say this. For Texas Tech and having maybe their best special teams game in the last 20 years, maybe ever, Texas Tech special teams with a strength coming into the game. That was one of the things – that's one of the reasons they had won six games was their kick coverage, their kick return, their punt return. Their punt. Maybe they've done a lot in the special teams. Texas dominated them. So if that's going to be the case, then you got no chance against Texas. I like the Longhorns by over the number, by the way. I think it's 14-17. to 17. So that would be my thought and my pick. Uh, as for the Longhorns on the recruiting trail, before we get to the coaching carousel and the, uh, the transfer portal, uh, good news today potentially for the Longhorns. They're recruiting a five-star safety from McKinney named Xavier's Phil Same. Uh, big-time player. Big time five star. My buddy Rod Babers, who I do the show with on the radio in the mornings, has watched a lot of film on Xavier. He he says he looks like Derek Williams. He's a he's a big safety, but he cuts has corner coverage skills. Great hips, great explosiveness, long arms. He's committed to Florida, and he will hit you. And he will hit you. Xavier feels same. He is committed to Florida. And here's the thing: we got one. He's got one parent that lives in the Metroplex, and another parent that lives in Orlando. So he's kind of divides time. But so he's committed to Florida. But as of recording day today, this Tuesday, the coach who had been recruiting him for two years at Florida got fired by Billy Napier. He's out. Uh, Xavier had a tweet about, you know, what the heck kind of thing. And, you know, this happens to young athletes. You're the guy that you have a relationship with now gets a pink slip. And your decision, and by all accounts, he was on Texas campus last Friday, um, you know, taking a visit. And so we'll see. That's a name to watch. Xavier Philsame. Uh, a safety we've seen the Longhorns this year struggle at safety. That's a need position. Derek Williams looks like the future at one spot. Xavier Philsame, a name to watch. Also, five-star corner Kobe Black out of Waco was supposed to announce on the 29th of November, which would be tomorrow, uh, but he's moved that back. He's got a scheduling conflict with the school or something. I don't know. You may know more about that, Mike, but he's a big-time player. The Longhorns, five-star corner, five-star safety, could push them to the top of the recruiting rankings. Yeah, and Kobe Black's going to commit at Dave Campbell's Texas football. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stream that one on Texas Texan Live. I think it's going to be around December 11th is, okay. is when he's gonna when he's gonna announce there. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the better cover corners you will find. Uh, his older brother was a really good football player as well. I think he played at Oklahoma State. Um, and so, yeah, that would be a big one for Texas because as we've seen this year, as you mentioned, secondary has kind of been the spot, right? And if you can keep populating uh, those positions with what they've built at the wide receiver spot. You start getting back to those really fun practices back in the Mac Brown days when, you know, Nathan Basher's covering Roy Williams and stuff like that. Well, look that. at last week. Manny Muhammad's a freshman. He's making an interception. Terrence Brooks is going to be, you know, all, all caliber, all Big 12 kind of player, maybe bigger uh, at the other corner. Ryan Watts moves on, but you've got some depth at the corner uh, that you feel like you're building. Obviously, Kobe Black, Xavier Philsame, uh, you know, Derek, Derek, uh, Williams. Derek Williams. I mean, you're, you're talking about some real athletes in the back end to go with what you're doing. Because, look, next year, 
you're replacing Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and maybe Alfred Collins. I mean, you're going to have to be able to cover a little bit better. You're not going to have those. We have a good defensive line, but you won't have those guys. Uh, we're talking about the best in the last 20, 25 years at Texas. Uh, all right, also in our Final Four, uh, Transfer Portal opens Monday. Uh, that's your calendar, folks, on Eyes on Texas Multicast. You've got uh, game Saturday, college football playoff rankings out, as we've talked about tonight uh, and in this episode on Sunday morning before the NFL starts, and then Monday, Portal opens Madness, Mike. Madness. Sorry. Madness, I tell you. It's already started. <laughs> you know, like, uh, like two of North Texas' best offensive players announced that they were jumping in today. Miles Price from Tech uh, announced that they were getting. So, um, you know, December 4th is the official day when you can start, you know, uh, really looking at that, but it's already happening. Uh, I always get asked what I do in the offseason, but there isn't an offseason uh, because of things like the transfer. Oh, it's your round. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, look, Sark has been clear, and we'll hear him talking about their plan for the, for the transfer portal, but. Um, Look, I mean, there's a, there's a real scenario. If, if the Lawrence make the Final Four, Florida State loses, Texas is in, there's going to be guys leaving who aren't going to be a bar, part of the, of the Final Four. I mean, Malik Murphy could be one of them. Uh, there's talk Ohio State is flirting around with Malik Murphy and other programs. Um, you know, and, and you've, you've, you've got the team and this culture, but you also have an individual who knows that Arch Manning's the future and Quinn Ewers is coming back, and he's got a, he can't wait till December or early January. He's good. You know, there's going to be a spot, and there's going to be quarterbacks available. That's the crazy time we're talking about. We're a player of the caliber of Malik Murphy. Um, you know, maybe one of the running backs here that we're talking about. You know, the Longhorns. You know, Jonathan Brooks will be back next year. Uh, C.J. Baxter's a five star. They're bringing in the five star kid from Arizona as a recruit. They got another kid from IMG Academy. So if you're, you know, one of these running backs, who Jaden Blue was over 100 yards. I'm not telling you anybody's going to jump in the portal, but those are going to be young guys looking at that, going, man. Uh, I want to play. <laughs> I want to don't. And if somebody calls them and say, "Man, we got a starting spot for you," that's getting, this is what we're talking about. This is the craziness. A, a program and a culture that's as good as Texas right now could lose some some good players just because of the natural attrition of how this thing works. That's a great point. I haven't really thought about. It. I'm trying to think back on TCU last year and if that happened at all. And I don't remember many of the players jumping into the portal until the day after the national. And maybe they'll wait. I mean, maybe that's kind of a deal that they've uh, got. And then you can kind of enroll within the first couple of weeks of, of when it's starting there and stuff. So it gets a little. There's a 45 right. day window, Mike. Because you're right. Like it. That can like all all of a sudden, who do you practice with if you start losing too many guys? Um, yeah, I mean that's a scenario that would be great. The other part of that too is maybe this isn't as true for Texas because they're not as transfer portal dependent because of how well they recruit. I remember talking to Sonny and them at TCU last year. They had to leave coaches back home during the national championship lead up in in Los Angeles because they were hosting guys. Yeah, right. Like you're always hosting. Um, these these uh, recruits as well. Same with the Fiesta Bowl. He was flying back from Phoenix to host some transfer portal guys and then back for Fiesta Bowl stuff. Um, so the calendar is just insane, like what these guys have to juggle behind these. I understand why the early signing period was made to be the early signing period, but it's put a strain on the calendar and on December and what everybody's juggling at the same time with bowls. Like it, it, is, it is wild what's well, happening. With well, think about what Mike just said, folks. The, the portal opens December 4th. December 20th is the early signing window for high school players. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a two-week, and I had two-and-a-half-week period of madness. Uh, you're trying to solidify your 2024 class. You're trying to re-recruit your own locker room, potentially add pieces for next year while you're preparing for potentially a semifinal game in the national title. Uh, yeah. uh, and if the Longhorns aren't in the Final Four, people have asked a lot, uh, they're likely headed to the Cotton Bowl uh, or the Fiesta Bowl as a, you know, outside the power they'd still be the one seed out of the big 12 just not in the final four 
they'd end up playing a really good team in the Cotton Bowl up in Arlington, and they could play back-to-back games at AT&T Stadium if, if that plays out. Uh, and if they do make the semifinal, folks, it'll be either in the Sugar Bowl or in Pasadena in the Rose Bowl this year, New Orleans or Pasadena. So cross your fingers on that, as Mike just did. All right, uh, there's your transfer portal. That's Monday. Keep an eye on that. That's going to blow up like crazy. Saw something today that a uh, player you know very well, the Washington State quarterback Cam Cam Ward. That's my guy. He's going to be in demand. Apparently oh, there's yeah. a bunch of big-time schools in the SEC coming after him uh, because Washington State does not have a conference as of next year, yeah. and he's a big-time player. Yeah, played option quarterback in high school. Just absolutely insane. Like East Texas somewhere? Yeah, Cleveland. That's how he ended up at Incarnate Word, is he never passed the ball in high school. Nobody <laughs> knew that he could throw it. And then it was all that COVID stuff, so he didn't really get to a lot of camps to, to kind of prove that he could throw the ball. Uh, Incarnate Word, Eric Morris, the North Texas coach, is kind of who uh, discovered and polished him and, and sent him. Like he followed Eric Morris went from Incarnate Word to OC at Washington uh, State, and that's why Cam Ward followed him. But I'd imagine. Uh, he has a, a, a choice a pick of the litter there. He is going to be uh, – so, like, right now, there's probably nothing – outside of being a first-round draft pick, there's probably nothing more lucrative in college football than being a grad transfer quarterback with real experience and winning success. Well, I mean, look what look at Michael Penix. Yeah. Look at Bo Nix. But you could probably make second-round draft pick money is what I'm saying. Well, that's what you're right. Yeah. But I'm just saying, these we talk about the older quarterbacks right. who have moved. Well, they're now leading teams into the – I mean, Quinn Ewers transferred, but he was younger. But – you know, Bo Nix was a two, three-year start at Auburn. Michael Penix was a two-year start at Indiana. You know, Cam. You know, these guys are moving, and they're 22, 23 years old, and they're they're big time, and they're making some money, and um, their teams are going to play for national championships, and that's that's why they're valuable. And Cam Ward could be that. That's a great story from Mike on uh, the uh, the option quarterback from Cleveland, Texas. Now going to be one of the more in-demand players in the portal. All right, real quick on the coaching carousel. Um, you were at the you had a busy week. Started on Sunday with the firing of Jimbo Fisher week before, but then the hiring of Mark Stoops, <laughs> and then the non-hiring of Mark Stoops, yeah. and then the hiring of Mike Elko and the press conference at Aggieland. Take us through that whole scenario, and what a mess. But I, at the end, they probably got a good coach. I went to bed three different times Saturday. <laughs> I, I thought I was done with my day uh, after the Mark Stoops sort of news happened. Uh, then went you know, to bed, turned everything off, and then got word that the Mark Stoops thing wasn't happening. So I had to get back up and do all the whole thing again, and then finally was able. Third time was the charm there. Uh, depending on who you believe, Mark Stoops is like on his way to College Station when when all this stuff went. Or even down. landed and yeah, had to go like back. It's uh, it was a pretty wild situation. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I think the the most surprising news of my day on Sunday was that Dave Aranda was staying at Baylor. I thought that thing was done and dusted. I mean, they they lost their last five. It just the tra- the portal hasn't been good to them. Their roster isn't very great. Um, and so when I kind of got the news that they were keeping Aranda and he was going to go back to being the kind of the play calling LSU DC in a dark room, Dave Aranda, uh, it was surprising to me. But the A and M buyout has warped our minds i think to where we're like 76 million dollars what's 20 million dollars right it's like why costco has the big ticket prices when you first walk in so you see the tv for two thousand dollars and that way when you see the thing for eighty dollars later you're not surprised by it um 20 million dollars still a lot of money for a private christian university i think if the buyout was zero aranda would have been gone but uh, him coming back and then uh, Holgerson being fired. It was a crazy Sunday. I'm still kind of coming down from it. Yeah, Holgerson out at Houston. Elko is in. And Aranda staying, but as you say, they want him to – almost like you've told us a couple times now on the radio show, and I read your story, they want an offensive coordinator with head coaching experience, almost like they want a co-head coach. Yes. So that Aranda can focus on defense. They're going to be more – 
you know, spend you know, spend more money in the NIL space and be a part of that like they haven't before. But yeah, almost like they're just hanging on to Dave Aranda because they don't want to buy him out and bring him in some help. He did win a Big 12 championship two years ago, so there is that. But the talent level has drained dramatically, and uh, they got to get that back. Um, on Mike Elko, I, you know, I know it was a weird, crazy, you know, Ross Bjork, what a mess, Mark Stoops. Uh, but here's Ross Bjork, and let's be clear, you'll hear of the, uh, the athletic director at A&M, what they were looking for. They wanted a defensive-minded head coach who could recruit and develop. Here's Ross Bjork on why Mike Elko was the call at Texas A&M, who the Longhorns will now play next November 30th in College Station. You know, it's really those characteristics <clears throat> that I laid out on the stage earlier. Defensive-minded head coach, right? Recruiting elite talent, having that mindset coming from the head coach position. I mean, just look in our league. Who are the two best programs right now? Who are they led by? Right? And so looking at that formula, understanding that we can recruit at the highest level, understanding that Coach Elko has been a part of top five, top ten recruiting classes here at A&M. And then honestly, he's got a plan. And you can see by his demeanor, he's been equipped for this for a long time. So I remember calling the, uh, the Duke athletic director two years ago next week, and she wanted to know, is he ready? And I said, he's been ready. This is a no, if, if he's your guy, this is a no-brainer hire. And so the same analysis as we went through our process unfolded here. All right, so uh, Elko recruited a lot of those players. Mike, you were at the news conference. What are your impressions of Elko to a and I just thought it was funny when Ross started going through those things, like great defense, a lot of talent, a quarterback that can be, you know, and it's like, yeah, like long legs, smart, laughs at my jokes. You know, like, <laughs> of course, like, of course, that's what it takes to win uh, national championships. I like the Mike Elko hire. I mean, they were 34 and 14 when he was there as a DC. They were 12 and 12 when he left. I think a lot of the, the organizational uh, leadership and just kind of structure was a Mike Elko product. You know, Jimbo Fisher is a lot like what we just talked about, Dave Aranda, with defense. Like, Jimbo Fisher lives on the offensive side of the complex. He wasn't hanging out on defense, right? Like, he wasn't telling Durkin what to do. He wasn't sitting in defensive meetings. So, Elko's been a pseudo-head coach at A&M, and he walks in there, like you said, knowing the roster, knowing the community, knowing the power brokers to be and who his bosses are and what the structure is behind the scenes at A&M. And that makes this almost like a year-half job where you're not – it's not year zero where you walk in and everything's got to change. And that was important for A&M because 2024 is big for them. They had a 12-year head start on Texas. And they're about to play the Longhorns and they're about to host them. And they don't want to get embarrassed. And that's one of the reasons that they paid $76 million uh, for Jimbo to go away. I think Elko was the smart hire that they made look so hard to do that now it looks like a bad hire. Yeah. If, if they had just hired him last week, like right off the bat, and that was just the name, we would all be like, man, that was a good hire. Like, he's a hell of a football coach, right? Uh, but they made it, and this is what athletic directors do, they made it look so messy that it's hard to look at it in a vacuum and go like, ah, it's a good ball coach. But I don't believe in the splash hire thing. I don't understand why everybody needs that. I think it's an ego thing where it's like, look who, what, look what coach we stole. Uh, Texas A&M needs to get back to being the blue-collar, defensive, hard-nosed team, and, and I think Elko's going to do that. Yeah, I was on Jeff Trailer's bandwagon for that, but Mike Elko checks a lot of those same boxes. There's a there's an RC Slocum vibe to that. He can do that sway thing too. I don't know how to do that, but yeah, he, he already knows yeah. how to do that yeah. weird sway yeah. press conference thing. That was I was weird. there, <laughs> I was there. It is uh, 
It's a place, man. It's a different. It's a different place. I'm not. I didn't go to a lot of churches, but I. It feels like sometimes when you would sleep over at your friend's house and then you go to their church and you were like, "Whoa, Whoa. this is different. This is different than what I'm used to." That's what going to an A and M function is. And Mike Elko was right there. I mean, uh, but Mike Mark, Mark Stoops might have went, "What the hell is going on here?" Uh, I'm not doing that. Uh, but Mike Elko is right there, swaying along with uh, everybody in suits and. Then they're going to drive their Escalades back to Katy right. or whatever. You know right. what I mean? And right. that's the way that goes. Right. Let's be weird. Watch Yellowstone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, Mike Elko, like the hire. I understand what they're doing. And, uh, you know, his his success will be predicated on the offensive coordinator he hired. He's got to hire a really good OC because he's going to run a good defense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, but Texas A&M has their coach. Longhorns will begin playing them. Also, real quick, Mike, who do you think is the new head coach at Houston? Uh, does any, there, I saw a Cliff Kingsbury report today. Yeah, I think it's going to be Willie Fritz or Jeff Trailer with a hint of Gary Patterson in there. Uh, but I do. I think if I had to place my money, it would be uh, Fritz or Trailer. Willie Fritz from Tulane, who's yeah. won the Cotton Bowl last year, beat USC. Got another team that could be headed to a New York Six Bowl this year. Does a real good job. You know who really likes Willie Fritz is my good friend David Pierce, the Texas Longhorn baseball coach. They were at Sam Houston, Sam Houston, Sam Houston together. Yeah. Fritz is one at the JUCO level, at the Division II level, at the FCS level, and at the FBS level. David Pierce was the one I always told me, man, keep an eye on this Willie Fritz. Yeah. He can, he's a really good coach, ball and uh, he may end up getting that Houston job. Which I, I think, just believe in like ball coaches. I agree with you. You know, like I don't need a dude that wins press conferences and all that kind of stuff. Like, give me a dude who can like go coach a football team. Willie Fritz is that guy. Agreed. Great name, too. Willie Fritz. Yeah, Willie good, Fritz. Good coach name. Uh, for sure. All right, Mike, good stuff. We both like Texas in the Big 12 championship game. If you're heading up there, make sure you uh, uh, come find us. I know at the Horn, we're going to be hanging out at a place called Jay Gilligan's on Saturday morning if you want to shuttle. Uh, Jay Gilligan's is right there in downtown Old School Arlington between UTA, the UT Arlington campus, and the stadium. Uh, come on out there. I'll be broadcasting live from 8 in the morning until the game. And they shuttle. You can park there, have some breakfast, have a drink, and then shuttle over. Uh, and I know for the uh, Cowboys game on Thanksgiving, they shuttled 3,000 people uh, to and from. So they got plenty of space and come over there. Jay Gilligan's in Arlington will also be up in uh, up in Dallas on Friday afternoon. I think they have famous nachos. They do, yeah. They've, yeah. They have pretty world-famous nachos, I've been told. Uh, but more importantly, you can have some breakfast and not have to pay Jerry Jones to park. It's you all know, up here. All up here. <laughs> famous nachos. Uh, Mike, but tell them about Dave Campbell's Texas football. It's high school football playoffs. There's all this coaching stories going on. If people haven't gotten signed up at Dave Campbell's, uh, what's going on over there? Yeah, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, all the streaming stuff, Texan Live. We, we got a magazine coming out. Micah Hudson's going to be on the cover. Wrote a 2,000-word feature story on him, so that'll be, that'll be cool. That's for subscribers only. Uh, but honestly, I'd love to toot my own horn here, but the reason to subscribe right now is the high school football stuff. State championships start uh, on the 13th, we will be there for all 12 of those football games. I will live inside of AT&T Stadium for four straight days. Like you wouldn't think you could get like sick of that place because it's it's football heaven. Like that place is a cathedral for football. Right. Uh, you do. It feels like a prison by the time <laughs> uh, the 6A games are done. Uh, but it's going to be locked and loaded. We'll have more coverage there than you could ever want of high school football. So so please subscribe. We're growing. It's been a lot of fun. TexasFootball.com. And we here on the Eyes on Texas Multicaster are a product of that Republic of Football and Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We are powered by Grande Equipment. Thank you to our digital producer, Nolan Hogan, for all the great work. Our executive producer, Griffin Hogan, we're putting it together, editing everything, making it look great. Thanks again to our founding partners, Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy, online at thetexasmortgage.com, Hayes City Store in Driftwood, Texas, and Taste on Main in downtown Buda, one source gas of Central Texas, Dr. Greg Eckert, and my dentist, and his Brain Vault technology, the mouthpiece, and of course, 
We're powered by a presenting sponsor, Grande Equipment, locally owned, independent, but worldwide equipment company serving uh, heavy equipment needs uh, from here in Texas and all over the world since 2004. Find them at grandeequipment.com. The multicast keeps you on top of all things Texas football is the Eyes on Texas multicast, available to watch weekly on the Dave Campbells and the Horn Austin YouTube pages and channels, available for download through iTunes and Spotify and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, good luck to the Longhorns in the Big 12 championship game. Hook them.